In the midst of all the struggles and chaos and confusion, hostility, even hatred and divisiveness that seems to plague our world today, people often ask me the question, what can I do to make a difference? What can I do to help make things better? I'm only one person. What can I do? Well, there is a good answer to that question, and the answer begins with living your life the way that Jesus taught us to live. We are in the world. We are in the midst of all the struggles and chaos and confusion. But even though we're in it, we are not to be of it. We are not to live and act like the rest of the world lives and acts that causes all this confusion. What does that mean? Well, we are to reflect in our lives the spirit of the Lord, which is the spirit of love. Jesus describes this way of life specifically in his Sermon on the Mount, especially in the opening verses, which we know as the Beatitudes, when he says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And then in Paul's letter to the Galatians, especially in chapter five, verse 22, we find another specific description of what our lives should be like if we're truly reflecting the spirit of God. And these characteristics Paul gives us, he calls the fruit of the spirit. And that includes living and reflecting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Jesus used the illustration of the leaven working in the dough to describe the way that we should live our lives so that we will affect those immediately around us and then they will affect others around them. And so this goodness can spread, this love can spread until hopefully it transforms the whole lump of, of dough or in our case, transforms the whole world. Well, this morning I want to look at one of those characteristics, the eighth fruit of the spirit, which is goodness. If there's one thing to which a Christian is called and for which a Christian should be known, it is goodness. We are called to love good and hate evil, to seek good and not evil. We are called to focus on goodness, to love goodness, to do goodness. So what does it mean to be good in a world where goodness does not make the headlines? The ancient Greek dramatist Euripides once wrote, when good men die, their goodness does not perish, but lives though they are gone. As for the bad, all that was theirs dies and is buried with them. 
In our scripture lesson this morning, the apostle Paul says in his letter to the Romans, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. A little later in his letter to the Thessalonians, Paul says, especially to us today, see that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everybody. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now these passages and so many others in the New Testament clearly say that we as Christians are called to goodness. Again, in Romans 15, 14, Paul says, I myself am satisfied, my brethren and sisters, about you yourselves being full of goodness. Or in the third letter of John, verse 11, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. He who does good is of God. He or she who does evil has not seen God. These are a few examples to make it very clear to us that we as followers of Jesus Christ are called to give witness to goodness in our world, to love goodness, to do goodness. The fruit of the spirit is goodness. But familiar though we are with the word goodness or the word good and even maybe all these passages, what does it mean to you to be good? to love good, to do good. What would you say goodness is? I once heard about two men who were members of a church who gave generously to the church because they were very rich, but not really for that reason, but because they wanted to impress other people that they were good Christians. But in reality, they weren't such good Christians. In fact, they cheated in their business dealings. They cheated on their wives. They abused their children and their friends and their business associates. They were really anything but good. One day, one of the men has a heart attack and he dies. And the brother comes to the preacher and says, preacher, I'm gonna write a check out for you that's gonna cover all the costs of that new building that you wanna build for the church. And all I ask in return is simply that you say that my brother was a good man at his funeral. Well, you know how preachers are, always glad to get those checks. And how we normally try to say good things at somebody's funeral service. So the preacher took the check, deposited it in the bank, and then he said at the funeral, this man who died was a liar, a cheater, a scoundrel. He ran around on his wife, he abused his family, his friends and his business partners. But you know, compared to his brother, he was a good man. <laughs> what does goodness mean? The Greek word that's used in that passage in Galatians 5.22 for goodness literally means to be exemplary, to be honorable, to be producing good results because one is practically and morally sound. In other words, the Christian idea of goodness focuses on the moral life, that you are virtuous and that you are worthy in God's sight. 
It means that you do things right in a moral and spiritual sense. And that includes things like honesty, integrity, loyalty, faithfulness, justice, self-control, and all the other virtues that God has revealed to us in Jesus Christ and what Christ has taught to us. Goodness is also used in the biblical passages uh, in a sense of being prophetic. And when we talk about being prophetic, uh, don't get confused with future telling with prophecy. There's a difference between future telling and prophecy. Biblical prophecy basically means proclaiming the will of God. And so goodness calls for us who believe in the will of God and want to live the will of God to also address those conditions in our society, in our world that keep goodness from being possible. Kind of like when Jesus overturned the money changers in the temple, that was an act of goodness. What is goodness? My best friend growing up, his father was an orphan at age six, but he became a self-made man. He started a successful company and became a millionaire at a very young age. He succeeded because he was honest, hardworking, and he treated other people with respect. He was successful, not just in his business and in his money-making, but especially in his morality and his character. And every year at Christmas time, they would publish a little pamphlet for all of their clients on the theme of Christmas uh, and, and mail it out to all their customers and friends. And I've got a 30-year collection of these little pamphlets in my office, and I, I prize it highly. They contain beautiful pictures and poems and stories, especially having to do with Christmas, my favorite time of the year. But also right in the middle of these little booklets, there's a two-page spread that contains quotations and sayings about life. Sometimes it's a quote from the Bible. Sometimes it's a quote from some famous person based upon biblical truths. The quotations describe the right virtues, qualities, and characteristics of goodness in life. Often they do it in an interesting and colorful way. But what concerns me as I read these characteristics of goodness is that it seems that our society today has gone a long way down the road of losing these virtues from the way that we live. Let me share with you a few of the examples out of these little booklets. Blessed is the person who has learned to admire but not to envy, to follow but not imitate, to praise but not flatter, to lead but not manipulate. Work hard and save your money. If you, are someone, if you see somebody without a smile, give them yours. A cheerful smile, a cheerful heart, and a smiling face can put sunshine in the darkest place. Friendship cannot be purchased, rented, or borrowed. It must be earned. Before you decide to give somebody else a piece of your mind, be sure that you can get by with what you've got left. Those who think it's permissible to tell white lies soon become colorblind. 
One of the most important trips that a person can take is to meet the other person halfway. When you forgive, you in no way change the past, but you certainly do change the future. Happiness comes upon you unaware while you are helping others. Those sayings describe all the different aspects of goodness. Of course, our best source and inspiration for goodness will always be the Bible. And looking again at the scripture passage that that Abby read just a moment ago from Romans, Paul gives another list of saying, or proverbs we might say, about goodness. He says, let love be genuine, never flag in zeal, be aglow with the spirit, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Do not avenge yourself, but leave that to the wrath of God. And if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him drink. And he says, by so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Think about that one. Another passage of scripture that contains a lot of these wise sayings about goodness, the meaning of goodness, is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Here's a few more bits of wisdom. Be at peace among yourselves. Admonish the idlers. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with all of them. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances. Notice he doesn't say for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Again, as I read these passages and think about all these qualities of of what we call goodness and how important it is, I can't help but wonder what's happening to it in our society today. If you read the headlines or you watch the news or you just look about you and what's going on wherever you are, whether it be a Walmart or the bank or the grocery store, wherever you might be, you can see how our society is like going downhill when it comes to this thing called goodness and how we treat each other. Oh, I don't mean that there aren't still some people who are good or that people don't try to be good, but in general, it just seems that the more prosperous and progressive our society becomes, the more we are slipping from these high qualities and virtues of goodness. In homes and families and schools, is there as much emphasis today on things like manners and respect, courtesy, trust, honesty? In society at large, is there, is, is there much of a work ethic today? Or have we become to such a great degree like the the classic grasshopper in Aesop's fable who felt the world owes me a living? Has our civilization been blessed with freedom and democracy for so long that we are slowly losing what it takes to maintain 
that freedom and democracy? Today, for example, we are overwhelmed with rights and privileges for the individual. What's what has happened to our sense of responsibility to the whole or the general welfare, as our founding fathers called it in our our basic documents. In personal relationships, which includes marriages and friendships, family life, have we lost or neglected such things as respect, trust, honesty, generosity, and truly caring for one another? The Bible clearly says it over and over again. Hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. But you know, it's been uh, uh, revealed today through surveys that so many people don't necessarily hate what is evil, but they hate the consequences of evil. To be honest, they say if they think they could get away with doing wrong and not suffer the consequences, they'd be more likely to do what's wrong like cheating on your income tax, if you think you can get away with it. Or in the United States military academies, how long are we gonna keep hearing about the cadets cheating on their exams? And those are supposed to be institutions of the highest integrity. Hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. The fruit of the spirit is goodness. You know, this is not just a message for individual Christians, but it's also a message for all of us together as the church. In Romans 15, 14, we read about three marks of the church. And the first mark is that it is full of goodness. But here too, I honestly think the church over the last several decades has slipped by watering down the demands of discipleship in order to be able to attract more people to come to church. So we offer the comfortable pew. Can you remember the day before you had those nice pew cushions to sit on? You sat on hardwood. We have the comfortable pew, we have the pretty parlor, but we avoid any talk about the cross or sacrifice or commitment. I worship a Christ who was willing to suffer and die upon a cross, not just a Jesus who sat in comfortable pews on Sunday morning. Yet the church consultants, the experts, have said for decades that if you want to attract more people to your church, don't talk about things like challenge and commitment and sacrifice. Certainly don't talk about the cross or you'll drive them away. Are we truly hating evil and loving what is good when we choose this pathway in the church? Are we satisfied with cheap grace and the comfortable pew, which will lead us into Jesus' la-la land while the pagans dance and multiply all around us and even in our midst? Or does our commitment to God's goodness call for us to do more? The fruit of the Spirit is goodness. And such goodness is not just sweet and gentle, meek and mild, but sometimes it's got to be strong and powerful and truly prophetic, not only to point out what's wrong, but do something about what's not good in our society. And that's what Jesus was doing when he drove out the money changers. That was an act of goodness on his part. 
It's not enough just to hang out our cross and say we love Jesus. You've got to truly hate evil and love what is good and do what is good and be what is good. If we are to bear the fruit of the spirit goodness, then we must be like Jesus. We too must be good shepherds. We too must be good Samaritans when it comes to those who are less fortunate. We must give good advice. We must produce good fruit. We must do good works, speak good words, entertain good thoughts, give good gifts, be good servants, practice goodwill, sit in a good place and live a good life. And lastly this morning, if the biblical and theological approach to goodness isn't enough to, to convince some people, let me try another approach, which I've always liked being a part of the disciples of Christ. We also, uh, our, our faith is based upon reason and rationality, or you might just say common sense or intelligence. But we have a choice between goodness or evil. Of course, none of us is perfectly good. None of us is perfectly evil. We all have a mixture of both. The important question is though, which one is predominant in your life? But you've got to choose in your life on a daily basis what you're willing to sacrifice in order to have something else. And then you reap the results of that choice. So if you're not willing to deny the bad life for the sake of the good life, it means you're sacrificing the good life for the sake of the bad life. You can't have it both ways. Either it's the high road or the low road. And if you choose the low road, then you're sacrificing the high road. And if you choose the high road, then you're saying, I wanna give up the low road. So which will it be for you? Even on that practical common sense level. Will you, for example, give up a bad temper for the sake of having friends in this world? Or are you gonna give up friendships so that you can keep your bad temper? Is it smarter to give up an illicit temptation or an affair for the sake of your marriage and family? Or are you gonna give up marriage and family for the sake of an affair? Is it better to abandon shady practices in business in order to have peace of mind and self-respect? Or do you choose to give up peace of mind and self-respect in order to practice shady things in your business. That's the choice, it's up to you. The fruit of the spirit is goodness. Goodness means being practically and morally sound. And I would say that if your goal in life is to be happy, you'll never get there. But if your goal in life is to be good, you will find so much happiness along the way. And if we want to reestablish the United States of America and a united world today, then we've got to practice the way of goodness. Amen.